Since the Champions League group stage came to a halt in November, Argentina have been crowned as world champions. Three Premier League clubs have sacked their managers. Beyonce and Madonna have announced world tours. And John Cleese has confirmed that he's bringing back faulty towers. Some teams will be stronger, some teams will be weaker. But who will prevail when the knockout phase begins? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Mark O'Hare missed out on Beyonce and Madonna tickets because he was glued to the screens of the Bet Cave, but we've managed to drag him into the light for this one. Mark, when you look at the outrights for the Champions League, what's changed in your thinking? Because I look at that list and think, question mark, question mark, question Over at least half the field, some have got seriously weaker since the group stage. Yeah, um, we spoke in December when the draw was made and my kind of get out was, I don't really want to have a view because I want to wait and see where teams are in February. That's always always my excuse when the draw is made. Um, it's, it's a bit too early to make strong opinions because a lot can change in football from week to week, let alone a couple of months. Um, but you're right, you know, you look at the, the top of the outright market and uh, I would say six of the top seven are in poor form or iffy form at best. Um, of the sides below 20 to 1, Napoli are the only side who are playing well and playing consistently well. Um, Man City, very, very short again at 3.1 on the exchange to, to win outright. Understand why they are favourites, but um, I've expressed kind of reservations about their progress this season now, pretty much weekly on the on the podcast for, for a few months, really. Behind the scenes issues, obviously, um, issues on and off the field. Um, I guess the big positive for, for City is uh, the fact that Bayern are playing PSG and Liverpool play Real Madrid. Madrid, uh, they're your other sort of rivals at the top end of the market. Two of those are going to exit the competition at this stage. So in theory, City are pretty short because of that, because the market is expecting them to get through that game against Leipzig, which I think off air, all three of us agreed is going to be uh, a much trickier assignment than perhaps the market does expect, considering how Dortmund gave City two tough games in the group stage. Uh, I would say Leipzig are very much trending on the same level, if not better, coming into the into this uh, knockout stage too. So. That's certainly not a walkover. I'm happy to sort of pass over City at those prices. I find it difficult to look at PSG or Bayern. The fact that they're playing each other is, is really off-putting. Um, Bayern are favoured, so I guess if you've got a strong view on PSG, then now's the time to get in there. Um, Liverpool, Real Madrid, the same price outright, but Real Madrid are actually favoured in the to qualify market there. So slight nudge there for me for Real Madrid. Um, although domestically they've not been playing too well. Uh, they looked they were dreadful at Mallorca. Yeah, I watched that game and I had a, a bet on a, <laughs> a Real Madrid-based bet in, involving Vinicius Junior to have a shot on target and he was just hounded off the field. So um, yeah, without Benzema in attack, um, they do look a little bit lost for ideas, uh, which would be a concern as it is with Liverpool with key personnel. Uh, missing or perhaps question marks over their availability, which which brings you to Napoli, uh, and I guess most people looking at the the outright will say Napoli. But for me, a team who are available at 150 to one back in August are now 13 to one, and yes, everything they've done so far this season has been exceptional. Um, uh, but I guess their form book is is slightly blotched by the fact that Liverpool and Ajax we've seen in the past couple of months are not the force we probably thought they were when Napoli blitzed them in the group stages. Clearly what they're doing domestically is is unbelievable, quite historic and, and I think we're all willing them to go the go the extra mile and, and finish the job. But you know, Serie A teams in Europe in recent years haven't 
impressed me. Uh, I've tended to sort of just look at them a bit of caution uh, in the outright markets because, you know, it's been a while since the team has really stood up and, and been counted. So then you look at Spurs, who I think possibly could be quite interesting. They've got Milan, um, which is uh, an easier task than it possibly was in December, the way Milan are playing right now. They've so lost their way. Part, they have. Completely, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite, quite sad, really. Um, now, I know Conte's Champions League record is poor, but Spurs have got players coming back into form and fitness. And I think we've seen since Rodrigo Bentancourt came back into that midfield, they've looked a lot more solid. There's talk about that that chat they had after the, the City defeat at the Etihad to, to, to stiffen up and firm up a little bit defensively. And we've seen improvements, but there's still a long way to go. Pedro uh, Porro as well. Yes, exactly. And Dan Juma, just another option in forward areas. And you've already got a, a glittering array of, of strikers there. Uh, they've got one of the best forward lines, I'd say, across the continent. So if you can stiffen up that defence, uh, get a bit more balance about that midfield, there's no reason why why Spurs can't outplay their current price and you know you look at the the draw for the last 16 you're going to be going into the quarterfinals with one of Club Brugge and Benfica and one of Inter and Porto if Spurs were to get through against Milan as the market expects then you could get a draw against Club Brugge in a quarterfinal you'd be favourites to reach the semi-finals Scott Parker's Club Brugge no less exactly which is a huge downgrade for, <laughs> for, for, for the Belgians which we'll come to when we cover the match by match but uh, yeah um, if I had to I'd pick Spurs but I'm still a little bit nervous about getting involved at this stage just because of what might happen in, in the last 16 ties Tipster and trader par excellence Emmett O'Keefe has flown many miles to give us his wisdom Emmett, does the chaotic nature of this season mean that actually we should be looking at some bigger prices? Because I've been looking at RB Leipzig at a massive price, and I know they're playing Manchester City, and everybody will say, well, why would you back them? Because City are obviously going to beat them. But Leipzig are a hell of a lot better now than they were when that draw was made, and City, frankly, are a bit worse. And Eintracht Frankfurt as well won the Europa League last season and have experience of squeezing through these two-legged ties. They face Napoli, who understandably are everybody's darlings, but for the reasons Mark has just outlined, Napoli could be vulnerable. Absolutely. I, I think it's it's a really interesting outright market. I, I, I think... I think it's. It, I think it's, it's kind of you it, it kind of embrace that volatility, as you said, in terms of kind of picking picking the kind of bigger price teams, where you have a team like Man City, who, who are, who are three point one favourites. But this looks more like the City team that lost the league to, to Liverpool a few years ago, where their kind of underlying XG numbers were very good, but there was something really missing, and they only finished the kind of Premier League season with eighty one points. They're they're a very vulnerable favourite to me. It, it's it's just interesting what Mark said about say about Tottenham. Tottenham were twenty three point zero on the exchange in the tournament, and Man City are three point one. And when they played each other in the in these Premier League matches, they've looked close to level sides. Like Tottenham, uh, City obviously got the better of. Um, Tottenham significantly in the second half in the Premier League with Tottenham causing problems but I thought Tottenham were not dominant but they were like it, it, that was a clear Tottenham victory and I, I, I kind of like like Mark said I, I they, to me they're, they're the pick of the outsiders the only kind of slight hesitation is I guess you're only saying there's only maybe a two or three game sample size them actually playing that well in the sense that there seems to be after this after the meeting, after the Man City away game, they locked down Fulham in the second half, and then played superbly against against um, against City. I think, but the main positive for me is just that 
for this Tottenham team to go far in the Champions League, Son Young-min has to be a part of it. And we saw at the weekend the Son Young-min of seasons past carrying the ball on the counter-attack, carrying the fight. And if they have... Just if you've Antonio Conte, a kind of well-organized defense and a kind of a three-man attack of Kulisevsky and informed San Harry Kane, that's just incredibly dangerous. Then added to that, in the last 20 minutes, half an hour games, if Spurs need a goal, they've Arno da- Arno Danjuma and um, and Richarlison to come off the bench. Most of the teams in the tournament will not have that quality in the bench. Um, as, as as you mentioned, Pedro Parr is a huge upgrade at, at, at what gone at what's gone before. Any Emerson Royals coming off? I'd say one of the better performances of his career last weekend. And the, the Spurs fans might have to shout that chant, but he can't defend it, he can't attack, hopefully soon. <laughs> but- I feel a bit sorry for him because I've hammered him. Uh, and actually, when you look at the history of it, when he was brought in, they thought they were bringing him in for a back four to play under yeah. Nuno, potentially, or certainly a defensive role to play under Nuno. And then, obviously, Conte comes in, he wants dynamic attacking wing-backs, and he's got Emerson Royale. And it's just, it's not really his fault, is it? No, I think as well, it isn't. I just, I I kind of think an interesting trend as well with the English sides is in the last five years, there's been five English teams that have made the Champions League final. And actually three of those sides have kind of come at quite big prices. Tottenham themselves under the Pochettino year where they beat Man City and beat Ajax in dramatic fashion. Chelsea under Thomas Tucker when they won it were as big as maybe 16 to one, 20 to one, when we had the kind of the, the after the winter break and they kind of really came good under Tuchel then and I kind of went to the final and beat Man City and also when Liverpool reached the final and were beaten by Real Madrid that Liverpool team was as big as maybe 25 to 1 before the draw was made for the last 16 kind of again it was again the kind of Klopp team on the rise pre Van Dyke so just there's a history of a the Premier League success but also maybe the teams that you don't expect and to me Tottenham fit that bill perfectly they 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 have they've a proven proven manager in Antonio Conte and just I think the current price of maybe 23.0 is, is well worth the bet I kind of feel like as well coming into the season I thought this Tottenham team would be one that would maybe get 85 or so points in the Premier League and maybe not challenge for a title but be a clear kind of third place side and I feel like we might be starting to see that Tottenham team now and just at the current price I think, I think that there's, 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 there's plenty of upside there just those prices in terms of Leipzig and Frankfurt that I mentioned, Leipzig 110 uh, on the exchange to win the Champions League. So if you're looking at a back delay there, but Frankfurt 160 because everybody's so excited about Napoli. I understand why, but if they can get past Napoli, then suddenly that price is tumbling. Now we've made a few changes to our great daily offers here at Betfair and you now have to opt in to promotions to enjoy the rewards available on the Sportsbook and Exchange. You can opt in quickly and easily by clicking a promotional banner or going straight to the promotions page and clicking opt in. There is a step-by-step guide for you on betting.betfair.com. Now, as every football fan knows, Valentine's Day is the perfect time to have significant football matches just to deepen any cracks in those pesky relationships that you might have. Uh, Two games on the night of love, Milan against Tottenham, PSG taking on Bayern. Let's start with Tottenham's visit to San Siro. And Emmett, this is a classic example. I know you've just outlined why you think Tottenham will do well. So let's focus on the Milan side of it then because their form has totally collapsed. Stefano Pioli, the coach, 
tried to make a formation change for the Milan derby at the weekend, 3-5-2. Didn't work at all. They were completely dominated in that game. He looks as if he doesn't know what to do at the moment. Yeah, like if leaving out Raphael Liao is the answer, what's the question? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like How do you get sacked is the yeah, question. Exactly, precisely, yeah, exactly. So I think that's one of the re- other reasons I also like Tottenham in that when the draw was made, I was probably thinking this would be kind of a, a kind of a 50-50 tie where which could go either way. And that looked that looked the case when you've got the Italian champions, Milan, and theory kind of a proven side against kind of a stuttering Tottenham team. But I think that's completely turned around now. Milan are incredibly vulnerable favourites. They, they don't even look like a top four side in Italy at the moment their their, their form has totally fallen off a cliff you're kind of hoping that the derby might kind of bring a response from them and see them I wouldn't put anyone off even back in Tottenham it's a a shortish price of 173 to qualify that that looks pretty fair to me or looking at kind of Tottenham drawn no bet uh, in the San Siro I'd I think there's. I think just Milan are so vulnerable, and, 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 and at the moment, and the market maybe hasn't quite quite caught up to how, how kind of far they've fallen. And again, kind of like I've mentioned on the kind of previous podcast, taking on manager who seems to maybe have lost the dressing room and is not far from the sack. I think is never a bad thing as well. Yeah, I wonder, Mark, if looking at maybe Tottenham to score a couple of goals in this game and just leave everything else, because if you look at Milan's form defensively utterly hopeless. I mean, they conceded five at home to Sassuolo, could have conceded far more than the one they did against Inter. They were stuffed 4-0 by Lazio recently away from home. So they're conceding lots and lots of goals, conceded a couple of goals against Lecce as well. And I guess there are reasons for this. Mike Mignon, best goalkeeper in Serie A, injured, has been for ages. You look at Pierre Kalulu, who massively overperformed at the end of last season, so did Fakayo Tamori. Teo Hernandez lost a World Cup final and is trying to recover after that. Olivier Giroud at the other end of the pitch, the same. So you've got a mix, haven't you, of players losing their form, players being affected by the World Cup and players not available to them at all. Yeah, and I think you can go back to to last summer really as defending champions. uh, Their transfer business looked good on paper, looked to be trying to bring in an emerging sort of class of player to, to improve the squad, but none of those signings have worked and they also lost... Frank Kessier to, to Barcelona, and that's yeah. been a, a, an enormous loss to that midfield too. So, you know, with Rafael Leao, um, he still is their top goal scorer, I, I think, domestically, but um, there's contract wrangles behind the scenes. Uh, he's not happy. There's been discussions or, or sort of cer- certain suggestions that uh, Pioli and him have not seen eye to eye at the best of times, and his work rate has been in question as well. So that's kind of all come together and it's just created a perfect storm really but you know after the the World Cup break they they played Salernitana and they won that game very scratchily 2-1 but I watched the game against Roma the week after and they were really good for 90 minutes led 2-0 it was a very convincing performance they conceded two goals in stoppage time to draw that match and things have just collapsed since that felt like Um, a killer didn't it actually because they had played really well in that game and suddenly they only got a point out of it and they started looking at each other thinking, right, this is really going wrong now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they were Napoli's nearest challengers at that time as well, and it's just disintegrated. Uh, they lost in the Coppa Italia the midweek after at home to Torino, and uh, yeah, things haven't been good since, really. And as you say, they're shipping goals, tried to switch system. Sounds like Pioli wants to continue with that system going forward, which is going to create a bit, a bit of aggro, really, um, as well. So, you know, he's backpedalling. Um, they've won one game since the World Cup break and not looked convincing whatsoever so yeah I looked at Spurs to score over one and a half goals which is 2.38 I've opted for Spurs zero on the Asian handicap at 1.95 just for a bit more um, 
just a more pragmatic approach really you know you get your money back if the game ends in the draw but I agree with Emmett um, I think Spurs Spurs really need to be looking at this game and thinking it's winnable we've seen what Chelsea did to Milan um, in the group phase and that was a Chelsea team in poor form themselves I know Milan had lots of injuries back then and some of those players have returned but Spurs are certainly on a, an upward trajectory if we go by the last fortnight um, and I actually think Spurs to qualify at 1.8 on the exchanges is the real best bet in this tie actually um, fully expect them to get through uh, just in terms of scoring twice or more. They've, Spurs have actually done that in six of 11 away Premier League games already this season. And as you say, Milan are shipping goals for fun at the minute. So um, an array of decent bets, I think, to get, get behind. I think this is the one game out of all the four ties this week where I've got strongest views and opinions on. Uh, but I think Tottenham to qualify and Spurs zero Asian handicap would be my strongest. Now, if you're watching us on YouTube, just to see how beautiful we all are, uh, you can comment below on who you think will go through. We'll pick, we'll pick out one correct entry and we will give that person a £25 free bet. Lucky you, whoever that turns out to be. To Paris then, and the all-star cast in the French capital takes on a Bayern side that's suddenly dealing with some old-school Bavarian angst in the background. We're back to FC Hollywood, uh, which is great fun. Um, should explain what the background of this situation is, really, because Manuel Neuer, who is generally Bayern's first-choice goalkeeper, has been for years, has been Germany's number one as well, uh, went ski-touring, which he says he's done many, many times before. What is ski-touring? OK, you go up the slope, you walk up the slope, apparently, I've never done this, and then you ski down. It didn't go well, and he has seriously damaged his leg, and it was only the fact that he got very quick uh, medical treatment uh, that he was able to have any chance of carrying on his career at all. So he's then out for the rest of the season. In his absence, Bayern have sacked Tony Topalovic, who is their long-term goalkeeping coach. To make this even more complicated, he was best man at Manuel Neuer's wedding. They are very, very tight. And he has been sacked. Neuer gave an interview to Raphael Honigstein, excellent journalist, uh, very recently, where he said, this has ripped out my heart. It's the most brutal thing that's ever happened to me in my entire career. And he's had a lot of stick from Schalke fans down the years, by the way. Um, and he said, I've always seen Bayern as a family. It's the first thing any time anything like this has ever happened so he's not happy they've brought in a new goalkeeper Thomas Müller has been in and out in in terms of his place in the team at times there's been talk about what's going to happen with him long term as well so it is all a bit of a toxic situation there's pressure on Julian Nagelsmann but Mark is this actually going to affect how Bayern play <sighs> No, uh, to a certain degree. I think we'll see what we've come to expect from Bayern, which is free-flowing attack in football and a defence which is entirely gettable and, and worrisome if I was being a, a sort of pro-Bayern Munich backer. Uh, we know Neuer's out, Jan Sommer's a, an excellent goalkeeper in his own right, but um, he's not Manuel Neuer. He's not got the same sort of leadership skills and um, sort of part of the furniture of being there and then, you know, such an experienced goalkeeper. Um, Cancelo is a great addition. But going forward defensively, I, I think we've all still probably got question marks there. De Ligt has looked uncomfortable. I don't think he's played good football since he's left Ajax. It's the high um, line. They play such a high line. And because the fullbacks are so far forward, you've got Upamecano, who's incredibly quick, but might not play. He's carrying an injury. 
And you're asking De Ligt to do a hell of a lot of yeah. covering. I would also say in possession, though, normally, I think from his Ajax days, I was always quite impressed, but I think he's looked quite cumbersome. Uh, and again, gettable, I think, if he's put under pressure, uh, that's an area of weakness, really. And uh, you're likely to have, or potentially having, Pavard and, and De Ligt as your starting centre-halves against PSG, which is a slight concern. I think there's been criticism of, of Joshua Kimmich's performances recently. Yeah. Goretzka's been um, sort of returning from injury, and I'm not sure he's played his best football now for quite some time. Going forward, there's no Sadio Mane, um, which again relies on on Thomas Muller. Or um, you know, there's there's other options, obviously. But uh, Bayern have had a stutter themselves at the start of this calendar year with those three draws. Some of their performances were okay. Some of them were pretty pretty poor. Uh, they beat Wolfsburg uh, quite comfortably. Um, but three goals in the first 20 minutes ended that tie. They only had nine shots in that game and they conceded 22. I know game state plays a huge part in that as well, but I guess the 4-2 the didn't really reflect the, the full 90 minutes, to be honest. And yeah, I don't know. I look at Bayern for this tie and actually outright and they're, they're favoured by the market to get through this game. And the market's moved a little bit since the news that Kylian Mbappe might miss this at least the first leg, I think Which you, Julian Nagelsmann you does are, not believe. Yeah, and I think you, you two are very dubious about it as well. Yeah, well, Nagelsmann said in his press conference, hmm, this is a vague statement about his injury. He'll play. So he was convinced that he's going to play, but we'll see. We'll see. It's not like PSG don't have uh, attacking artillery elsewhere to, to cause problems to this Bayern team. My issue with PSG is they've not convinced me in, in the biggest games of the season. Um, they've won one game against top four opposition in Ligue 1. That was 1-0 uh, against Marseille. You look at their home and away ties against Juventus and Benfica in the group phase, neither were completely convincing. Um, so I almost don't want to back either team and just go back to... It sounds, Throw them out of the competition. <laughs> it's, it sounds really just plain and, and obvious, but surely this game just screams goals, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, yeah. so much attacking potential. So um, just back goals and you, know, you can go to the bet builder, you can back both teams to score over two and a half goals and a goal to be scored in both halves at 1.8. I think that's fair enough considering all the attacking players if Mbappe plays even better I think it's hard to expect this to be a dull game uh, it was 3-2 actually when these two met in the first leg of a quarter final tie in 2019-20 um, there's always a bit of uh, concern about a first leg European knockout tie but I think that shows that these two teams when they come to battle they'll, they'll give it their all and, and we'll see where we're at at, at 90 minutes but um, yeah can't back either team if I had to I'd be pro PSG because I just think Bayern are slightly too, too short yeah, Mick, can you see goals here? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd echo every, everything Mark said. I just kind of think, I feel like I'd be hard to be enthusiastic about backing either of these teams on the outright market, given the kind of question marks surrounding them. Just on, you mentioned Matthias De Ligt. I just don't think he's the player people thought he was. I think he looks, like when he played in the World Cup for Holland, he was terrible. Like he was like... Is it a confidence thing though? Because I got yeah. told that he, okay. he found it very, very difficult making the move from Ajax to Juventus because I guess if you think about it he was the next big thing wasn't he he was a teenager who was holding the Ajax team together they got to the semi-finals of the Champions League looked really really good he goes to Juventus he's got people like Bonucci there who were just like sorry who are you and you're going to try and take my spot are you good luck with that so he then goes to a completely different environment it's quite hard for still a relatively young man to keep your confidence. Well. Yeah, yeah, totally different. The, the only thing I'd say is I agree. I agree with that. Just that I think if you're not a, a, if you're not a, a really quick centre half, there's kind of a ceiling to how good you can be. I think the way teams play in terms of the really high line. I think unless you're a kind of a quick Virgil Van Dijk type. I think you, you, it's hard to be world like again Koulibaly at his best I think the guys that have the speed are the guys I think who you really want to pay the 80-90 million for I just yeah. think, I think I'm think i just I'm just not sure Delict quite has it in, in that sense and just 
as Mark said, just with the fullback situation, like this would probably be a game you would like to see Lucas Hernandez in, having Cancelo and Davies, and <laughs> and then Pavard in beside Delict <laughs> up against PSG. It's just even even if Mbappe doesn't play, that's still a tough ask. Like, you're asking the, for trouble. Aren't you, you are asking for trouble. You just are, and it's like, are, are you, are you going to trust uh, Leroy Sané to be tracking back? Like, is it <laughs> like are you going to trust the Musiala? Like, it's like as everything screams goals like the I'd agree with Mark said I, I, I don't I wouldn't trust PSG either um, and I, I, I just in kind of the longer term I don't trust the kind of the the three attack setup. I just think against the better the higher organised kind of pressing teams I think that they will struggle um, but yeah so but I'm again even whether Mbappe Mbappe plays or not, it's 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 I, I, I think it's impossible to see anything any other thing but a, but a high scoring game. Like Mark, I would slightly lean PSG, but I think it's quite 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 hard to get a read on both these sides here. Well, it's football season. Get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. To Wednesday's games then and Club Brugge, a great example of how things can change quickly in football. Carl Hoofkens, who coached the Belgian champions into the last 16 for the first time in their history, brutally axed after a slump in domestic form. So who do you bring in? Yes, the sartorially sharp Scott Parker. Uh, Emmett, it's fair to say Parker has not yet had the desired effect. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. I thought, yeah, I'd probably like it. I was kind of... I, I, I feel quite bad for Benfica because I feel if if Enzo Fernandes had stayed, they'd a real shot at the Champions League this year. Just because, given how open it is, they have an ideal draw in Club Brugge, where they, they, they they're I would be very extremely confident that they'll make the quarterfinals. If Enzo was there, and just given the form we saw from Benfica in the group stages, beating Juventus, really competitive against against PSG, they're a team that'd be a really life out, a life outsider. And if so, I just kind of. I, I just feel if, if 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 one of these things if like I wouldn't it, it was very much in the range of possibilities that they could have done what Porter did under Jose Mourinho given 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 how open it is and given the draw they have given as you said that the, the Scott Parker hasn't had any any kind of improvement in in club Rugger's form and yeah I, I no strong opinion but the only I think just would just a slight lean for for um, Benfica in the match betting. Yeah, Mark, I'll be going for a big lean here for Benfica, I think, because Club Brugge domestically have really struggled, conceding goals and just not looking like the team that they have been. But you wonder under Hoofkins, actually, was they're just a massive overperformance in some of those group games, because not all of them, but they got themselves into a good position in the group and managed yeah, to are, see yeah. it through. Yeah, the sacking was quite surprising because there was a slump, but it wasn't as as drastic as perhaps sacking that the head coach was was necessary and to bring in Scott Parker is, a, is an awful choice really um, a, a great <laughs> he's the new Frank Lampard on this <laughs> no, show I, now I, isn't he I've it? never liked him but um, um, great great move for him you know, what a beautiful <laughs> what city what do you really think Mark? what a beautiful city to go and live and coach in but um, yeah. yeah you've got to worry for Brugger who's making that call but um, their form hasn't improved since I think they've won once um, since the sacking that was against Azulte who are in the bottom three as you say they're conceding goals one clean sheet in 13 the goals have dried up in, in forward areas as well so that's a, a nasty miss and if you look at the underlying metrics under Parker, very much bang mid-table offering as well. So um, Ferran Jutla, is that how you pronounce his name? The, yes, the Catalan striker. Yes. Um, he's missing till later in February as well, which is a massive blow as well. So um, yeah, Benfica, 
you know, still been trending pretty well. Um, came back from the break, had a, a big defeat to Braga, but a lot of their players were away at the World Cup and um, it was quite a quick turnaround. So that was understandable. They've, they've recovered since then. Enzo is a massive loss in midfield. They've signed Gonzalo Guedes, which is, you know, if, if we get anywhere close to his best form, that would be a, a real asset. We but say that every time he goes somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. I hope it um, will. I, hope I like it will him as well. very much. But. but in terms of this game, the Bryce Benfica odds on to win at Brugger, it's not for me. Um, the reason being, Porto went there on match day five and they were 2.35. Porto were around 2.3 when they hosted Benfica earlier this season. So tiny sample, but just doing the maths between those two prices suggests that Benfica are slightly short here even if Brugger have worsened uh, since match day five so I don't have a big view on this match at all but um, if there was a bet to be involved in uh, might look at João Mario to score at any time uh, a player who West Ham fans will know he's been around the block in Europe a few times he's playing more advanced actually in this Benfica team at the tip of the midfield getting forward he's on set pieces takes penalties he's actually their top goal scorer this season which is remarkable really considering the, the firepower they have 12 goals and he's scored in four of his six group games as well in the Champions League too and if you look at his shot stats he's getting plenty away I think he's had two or more in nine of his last ten starts and, and three shots or more in half of his uh, league starts this season so he is playing advanced uh, grab him to score at any time Yeah he scored the goal against Haifa I think that actually got them top spot because um, I, I remember him scoring from the edge of the area and then he checked with the bench to see if it was enough and it turned out it was and Paris as they were strolling against Juventus suddenly found to their horror that they'd ended up finishing second in the group uh, Borussia Dortmund have started 2023 in fine style Sebastian Allaire scoring his first goal for the club since recovering from testicular cancer one of the heartwarming moments of the season Dortmund face Chelsea side that's still trying to integrate this expensive set of new recruits. Mark, Dortmund are favourites here in this first leg. Does that underline how tough things have been for Chelsea under Graham Potter? Uh, yes, um, I found this particularly tricky. Uh, looking at those prices, I, I found it hard to sort of put my put my hat on either side of the fence, really. And uh, you expect Chelsea to progress because you look at that squad, there's so many quality players, but it's not coming together as quick as we possibly anticipated. I was quite pro-Chelsea last weekend uh, against Fulham um, in that match and they didn't really put it together. But you look at the, the players who are coming back into to fitness now, coming before this tie against Dortmund, uh, Rhys James, Ben Chilwell, Kovacic, Fofana, João Felix will be available. Um, you know, they really ought to come through home and away against Dortmund. But Dortmund uh, are showing s small signs of life, I think, as well. Sebastian Eller has come into the team and provided a, a physical um, focus for the attack. They've sort of changed their system a little bit, uh, even if it's not sort of done on, on numbers. But uh, I think in possession, it's looked more like a 3-5-2 and they're using the, the flanks a lot more. They're putting the ball into him a lot more and playing off him. And Dortmund do have a, a gluttony of good attacking players, inventive players who can cause problems. My issue, as it has been for many, many years now, is defensively. Yeah, they're, they're still exactly the same as they were. You can't trust them to defend set pieces. You can't trust them to concentrate for the whole 90 minutes. There's a lot of good things happening going forwards. But if you look at some of the wins they've had since the turn of the year, Augsburg, they were ever so lucky to win that game. Mainz didn't play particularly well, got a late goal and won it. Um, Even Freiburg, Man, the red card. Man, yeah, the red card, yeah. The one thing you'd say, I guess, the only way they're going to win this is to play on the front foot. So goals might be the way, I think, if you were going to go for anything. Because Adiemi, I think, 
finally we're seeing the real Adeyemi. He, he, Sildelia, who got sent off for Freiburg in that 5-1 defeat for Freiburg, was all over the shop, couldn't deal with him at all, got yellow carded twice in the first 17 minutes. And that was all because of Adeyemi. Like, he couldn't deal with him at all. So I think that's good. I think Allaire coming back, giving Mukoko a bit of competition, I think that doesn't do any harm at all. But at the other end, Reese James, if he's fit and plays, he'll have a great time against Guerrero because he doesn't defend. So I think, for me, everything trends towards goals. Is that how you would look at it, Emmett? Yeah, I kind of fancy Dortmund a little bit here just at the price. There's, they're currently around 6-4, to 13-day to qualify. And I just, I think, just, just there's no evidence that Chelsea are as good as the names in the team sheet, right? That's just, that, that's that's my main point, is that this is just the Chelsea side that are, like, have a, like, they're, they're a mid-table Premier League team with the kind of a, basically a zero expect, expected goal difference and in like I think definitely the range of outcomes there, there's like the Chelsea are currently 16 point out from the Champions League it's entirely possible I wouldn't rule out if things click but until they click I'm happy to take them up to on the short term where I feel like their price is more projection rather than based on any, any actual evidence of performance and there are definitely negatives about Dortmund as you said the defence necessarily can't, can't be trusted I just think there's quite a bit of upside with this Dortmund team that there maybe isn't for some of the other kind of outsiders in the competition. Obviously, everyone knows Jude Bellingham. But like just even looking at the, Dor- the Dortmund bench, you players like Gio Reyna, um, I don't know how to say, I know Gittens. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, he's, 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 he's kind of, he's, he's quite promising. Mukoko coming off the bench. So, so Sebastian Haller, given the kind of the experience, kind of focal point, f- focal point and attack that they badly needed. The other thing I like about Dortmund is that Edin Terzic, okay, I'm not saying he's a perfect manager, but just they played Man City twice in the group stage. It was a second-string City team they played at Dortmund. Still a decent City team. They got a nil-all nil draw, and they were kind of the better team for long stretches in that game. And at, um, in Manchester, they led that game for long stretches and really frustrated City. Yeah. And it took kind of the Erling Haaland magic to kind of get them home. Then against... Uh, Bayern Munich in the in the Bundesliga, they they they, 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 they that was kind of a, it was it was a two all draw, but they kind of he broke what had been a kind of a really bad run against Dortmund for Bayern. Even like so, I think there just been signs when they step up in class that the Dor- Dortmund have the ability to kind of to kind of step up and and, and really produce. So I, I, I just when I was pricing it up, I feel this is more of like a Chelsea should be maybe one point eight to qualify, and just you're getting maybe I think the, third, the six to four, thirteen day and Dortmund qualify just seem seems too big to me, and what I can see being a very close tie. And even though it's a cliche, the yellow wall that Dortmund crowd does yeah. make a massive difference on those European nights. Lots of excellent preview content, by the way, on our website, betting.betfair.com, and that's across the Champions League and the Europa League. To the Europa League outrights then, worth remembering the eight group winners, including the tournament favourites Arsenal, already through to the last 16. They've done their bit by winning the group. So the eight runners-up in those groups are playing against the eight Champions League dropouts. Mark, is there actual value in making plays at this stage of the tournament, or do you wait for this playoff round to go and then you've got a better view of what's going on? Uh, I would like to because um, I think the Europa League winner will come from the tie between Barcelona and Manchester United. Um, Arsenal are understandable favourites considering their domestic form, but this is not going to be a priority for Arsenal um, unless they tie up the Premier League really early, which probably is unlikely despite what we saw last week. So, you know, 
they're missing the playoff round is a big bonus for them. But the fact that uh, the next in the betting are Barcelona and Manchester United, and the fact they meet each other, um, happy to swerve until then. But if we were going to look at it, this is a competition where you need to sort of understand teams' priorities, who's going to be taking it seriously, who will be resting and rotating ahead of the weekend. And therefore, Juventus, I think you have to be have to be under consideration because of what's happened domestically. Top four um, in Serie A now looks unachievable. They yeah, have, their season's kind of wrecked domestically, isn't it? Yeah. So, so suddenly this becomes a big focus if they want to play Champions League football next season. They play Nantes in the playoff round, which is an entirely winnable match. Um, and then... I know it's hard to sort of assess Juventus because they were coming along really nicely, starting to play Allegri ball pretty well, pretty effectively. And then they got absolutely mullered by Napoli. Yeah. Um, and things have fallen apart a little bit since, um, sort of picking up some sloppy results. But players like Chiesa are back, um, and that's a massive deal for them. So if they can kind of find their groove, they will be taking this competition seriously because there's a big prize at the end of the competition for them. Um, I think Ajax and Roma have got very difficult playoff ties to come through. But the other team I looked at was Real Sociedad, uh, 18.0. Um, this is a competition routinely dominated by the Premier League and La Liga. Obviously, Frankfurt did the business last year, but um, 10 of the last 11 winners have been La Liga or Premier League teams. Sociedad finished above United in the group stage. We yeah. know United have got better since. But, and they're um, a cup team, right? I know they're doing well in the league, but they've done really well in the Copa del Rey. Imanol is a fan. I know that's really schmaltzy and silly, but it does actually make a bit of a difference because I think because he's at the top of the club setting the tone, just gets that extra 5% out of people, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, there's a lot of homegrown players in the squad as well, or at least Bas Basque players as well, which, which does make a difference. And I don't think they've got a squad big enough to make massive changes from week to week. So they're in quite a good position domestically. They're seven points clear of fifth. Um, if they can continue trending on in the same sort of trajectory domestically, then there's no reason why they won't give this a bit of a go. Um, Sorlot's having a great season up front. Um, you know, Alexander Isak left last year, but he's stepped up now and is scoring fluently. Domestically, they've been very strong defensively too. Uh, they've got a nice array of options going forward, inventive players. And um, yeah, you look at the underlying metrics and that they're rated as a top three team in Spain at the minute. So, um, you know, if they get a decent draw, there's no reason why they can't have a decent fist of things. But in all honesty, I think the winner comes from Barca and Man United. I mean, let's take it to that Barcelona-Manchester United clash then. Um, Barca 1.7 favourites to win that first leg. Now, I know you're very pro-Barcelona, understandably so. That did seem a little short, given the improvement United have had under Ten Hag. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of my my two loves clashing here with uh, Barcelona <laughs> and uh, the club I support Man United here. But yeah, I think it's a very interesting tie. And to me, kind of the price game really comes down to... I guess I don't mean to sound like a kind of a typical fan who watches a lot of Premier League football, but how how strong can you rate the La Liga form versus the Premier League in terms of Barcelona's incredible defensive records? Um, I just from just from listening to kind of some kind of like Alvaro Romeo saying the Totally Football Show was saying that he felt that the standard of forwards in La Liga isn't that good this season, and that's one of the main reasons for Barcelona's defensive record, and that they're, that it's they're somewhat of a bit of a paper tiger yeah. in 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 that regard. And Tostegan's been wildly good. And Tostegan's been, at his been numbers, excellent. Yeah, been yeah, exactly. really, really good. Exactly. So I think it's I think that's that that that's, that that's kind of interesting to me. Just just looking looking through the sides. I find it hard to see this being any other than a kind of a 50-50 tie. It just it, it, it just feels like that to me. We've got, I think, probably a, a slightly more gifted Barcelona side, 
but maybe just from just from the, bit, the bits I have seen, there's some of their there's some their numbers. They don't they don't seem to be a fully cohesive team yet. Where that you could kind of we have we haven't seen that against. I guess we maybe seen some of them in the kind of Super Cup, but I, I kind of. We, I haven't seen quite enough evidence to, to, to kind of suggest they should be went 1.75 against against a Man United team that are that, that are that, that are kind of playing like a really solid Champions League team. You know, I think well, when Barcelona played most of the teams they play, when you've got if you've got Frankie Dion, Pedri, and Gavi in midfield, you expect to win the midfield battle. But with obviously Christian Eriksen being out in absence for United, but with Casemiro and Fernandez there. It's just you know United are, are, are they're very solid their their defensive metrics are outstanding as well since the kind of since the kind of turn of the year, so I, I find this this tie very hard to call and I just my slide lean would be United at kind of their end eleven to eight to qualify I feel it should be maybe it should be two point one maybe slide favourites, um yeah it, it feels like a really really close tie and I, I would agree with what Mark said that the it feels like. The, the two winners that were two winners will, will kind of come two winners of the winner of the competition will come from this tie potentially yeah mark that 1.75 does ring alarm bells doesn't it really yeah i, I was really surprised actually when i saw the prices if um, if the market rated these two teams equal Barca would be about 2.25 2.3 the fact that they're they're close to 1.7 that's that's you know that's a massive sort of difference between the two teams and um you know, there's likely to be no Busquets, no Dembele as well. Ansu Fati's not had a great season. Um, the defence, you look at a possible back four um, of Balde, Christensen, Araujo and, and Kunde. It's good. It's not great. It's, it's, it's gettable, absolutely. Uh, the midfield, they, they seem to have changed system a little bit um, from 4-3-3 to a bit more of a 4-4-2 to, to get more control of that midfield area. Um, so I do think there's opportunity here for, for United to, to make a claim. Um, agree with everything you guys have said. Uh, the fact that the, the defensive numbers in terms of 15 clean, sh- clean sheets from 20, um, four goals against in 19 La Liga games when you exclude Real Madrid. Um, Sometimes we say the league table lies. Well, sometimes those statistics lie a little bit too. So um, I would look at United and think they've got the the tools to hurt this Barcelona team. Um, Funnily enough, if you excluded the first two Premier League games of the season where United were beaten by Brighton and then hammered at Brentford, they'd be top of the table, um, which is remarkable, really. They would have played more games than Arsenal in that sequence, but even still, it shows that they are going forward a good rate of knots. Ericsson's a big loss, but I think Marcel Sabitzer is a a wonderful capture. Um, So, yeah, I mean, clearly in both boxes, you'd rather have Lewandowski than than Wakehorst leading the line, but he's been effective (laughs) at what he's been doing so far. and yeah, I think I've said before on the shows that Ten Hag has, has got a real ruthless streak. He's desperate to win trophies this season and make a real statement. They're already in the final of the EFL Cup. I think United will take this competition pretty seriously because they're in a, a good good position domestically too. So um, yeah, you know, Rashford is unbelievable at the minute and, and Casemiro has made a, a world of difference too. So um, I make this much more of a pick'em. I'm really surprised Barca are below 1.8. I would fully agree. That's all we have time for on this special edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. We'll be previewing the big games in Europe from now until the end of the season. We'll also have the best of the Premier League action. Of course, if the written word's what gets you going, go to our website, betting.betfair.com. Lots of quality content on there too. From Emmett, from Mark and from me, it's goodbye for now. 